Hey, before we get started, we just want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Church Sound Made Simple. Mixing sound seems complicated, but it doesn't have to be. Cut the overwhelm by getting access to the stress-free, no-fluff training that will help you create great sound at church. Visit churchsoundmadesimple.com. Welcome to the Collaborate Worship Podcast, where we help you create great sound at church. I'm your host, Cade Young, and today I'm here with Tim Lucas. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for me. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Hey, man, I'm really glad that you're here. And for those of you who don't know Tim, he has been leading worship for more than 20 years. He's also the founder of worshipdeeper.com, where he empowers worship leaders to lead their congregations in deeper worship. So, Tim, give us the backstory. How did you and why did you start worshipdeeper.com? Yeah, it was kind of just for myself uh, to start when I, uh, you know, when you start leading worship at 15 or 16, you kind of miss some of the why. And so you, you can get into 20 years of worship leading and then you wake up one day and you're like, wait, why am I doing this? Like, what is this doing? I know like it's serving a purpose. People are singing in church, but like, what's the why? So I actually, one of the first posts I wrote for the website was how does the Bible define worship? And it was just kind of like this deep dive study looking at the original languages, like what does worship mean? How does the Bible talk about it? Like in what ways does it reference it? And so I actually learned a ton. Um, I actually just reread that post um, in preparation for this podcast. And I was like, oh, this is some good stuff, like some stuff that I had forgotten. Like, um, you know, worship is, uh, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it, but bo- worship is is. Uh, referred to as bowing down, like almost every time it's mentioned in the Bible, which I thought was really interesting. Something we don't do a lot, uh, maybe in church, uh, maybe you don't see it on the YouTube videos of Elevation or something, you know, but it's literally like putting your face to the carpet, you know, that's kind of what worship is. So that was uh, kind of the reason I started um, just to learn more about worship myself, force myself to learn the why and the how. And then it turned into, um, you know, writing kind of more how-to for other people, how to get started, because I was really fortunate to have a mentor when I was in that, like, younger high school age that kind of brought me through uh, getting started, because I think that's probably the hardest part of being a worship leader. Where do you find your opportunities? How do you get up to the skill level where you can actually get in front of people? All that kind of stuff. So I kind of uh, addressed some of that um, and then started talking about, like, you know, what are some popular worship songs? And those posts started uh, getting popular too, because I think people are always looking for new worship songs, especially fast worship songs. So it kind of just evolved from there. But yeah, it just started just me wanting to learn more about the how and why and of worship and how the Bible defines it. So that's about it. I mean, I could totally relate because I started leading worship when I was 15 and a half, I think. And I didn't even know why I was doing it either. Although, you know, I, I felt the call and the pool to it, but that's about as far as it went. And I'm still uncovering, like, what does it mean to really worship? And it's interesting when you go out and study it, because you'll find out that even serving other people and serving them well is a form of worship to God. Like there's so many different ways that we worship in America. We just like think that it's all about music. It is when I, you know, when I started, it was probably like the mid nineties and you would never like walk into a Walmart and see a worship album. And now it's kind of hit mainstream, like where probably some non-Christians have heard a lot of worship songs like Oceans, you know, that has like, who knows how many millions of views on YouTube and stuff. It's like a very encouraging um, song that I'm sure non-Christians pick up. Like, this is a great encouraging song. When I was, uh, you know, there was like, uh, when I was a kid, there was like Maranatha and like these really just hokey worship songs that were out there and nobody like would listen to it unless they went to the church and they knew the song from their church. Um, so it's really changed, but, uh, and, and that's good. But the drawback is that people kind of 
correlate worship with music and it's actually just a slice of the pizza it's not the whole pizza and um you know worship like you said could be serving somebody else or cleaning a toilet in your your church or could be just anything if you're helping the kingdom of god and serving god through that action so yeah good stuff man well in every podcast interview we always take a moment to bring a failure out into the open so we can laugh together and learn something along the way because the truth is we all make mistakes and they seem really heavy kind of when you're in a silo by yourself, you feel like you're the only one that makes mistakes. So we like to bring these out in the open so our listeners can realize everybody makes mistakes. So fess up, tell us an embarrassing story. I probably have too many to, to, to mention, but I think one of the things that was kind of consistent through the first maybe 10 years of leading worship was just my voice was just very unstable and it had a tendency to crack. And so especially on like the, the part of the song where it's like all the instruments drop out and the voices keep going. That's like when my voice would crack, like, so it would get the reverb effect on it. And everybody in the room would know that, it, that my voice cracked and like, like, what was that? Like, that sounded terrible. So I can't remember, like, I'm sure there's like, um, tons of examples. Uh, but the, um, you know, just imagine like in front of maybe like 200 adults and in, in the, um, uh, Sunday night service that's being led by the youth. And I was up there like maybe 18 years old or something. And then I'm leading a song and all of a sudden this big crack comes over the microphone and uh, through the speakers. And um, you know, that's when, you know, you know, your face turns red and you're like, Oh no, I wonder how many people heard it. And you know, everybody heard it. So um, yeah, I just learned that, you know, I guess something to learn from that is just that you should get the right training and get that right. Uh, you know, whether you're a vocalist or instrumentalist, learn how to avoid those things because it's not really about the embarrassment that it brings to you. But if you break the atmosphere of worship because of something that you're uh, messing up on consistently, you need to correct that. And so that you can, you know, uh, not distract other people's worship, but it, yeah, there's, there's so much like that. And there's one time when I, m- I remember, um, in my home church that I grew up in, I was leading worship. It's probably like, you know, a few years after, um, I left home and stuff and was coming back to help like the, the youth group or something and was up there and, um, just had like loose sheets up on the stand and I was playing and everything. And all of a sudden, like a, a wind came in the back door. I don't know if there was a door open or something. And all the sheets just like floated down. Like everybody could see that I just had like 10 sheets, like fall off the music stand onto the ground. And then I was like, well, guys, I don't have any music. We're going to see how this goes. I'm not going to pick it up. We're just going to freestyle. And so I just went off uh, into um, whatever songs as best as I knew them. But actually, it turned out to be a pretty powerful worship time. But that dread of like all your music just being spread across the floor and not having memorized the songs. Um, and, uh, you know, God used it. But it's just like, you know, okay, now I need to put them in the binder. And then eventually we got into iPads and stuff where that's not going to happen as much, except your iPad could die or something. But um, yeah, that's another kind of embarrassing moment. I I remember just like all my, you know, just like a bunch of papers kind of floating down like feathers across the the stage and then being kind of irreconcilable because it would take me five minutes to put them all back in order. So that was another fun time. (laughs) Man, your first story like kind of brought back some bad memories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> early in my worship leader years, I thought I was a good singer, and I really wasn't. And I didn't know until like I'd listened back to a recording because you know back then you really didn't record much of anything. Mm-hmm. Somehow somebody had recorded me and played it back. I'm like, that's me. Like that's what I sound like. And that uh-huh. set me off on a journey of kind of like getting a microphone and some headphones so that I could like listen to what I actually sounded like and become a better vocalist. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's a good, another good point. It's just like you have to record yourself because you can't really tell what you sound like on an instrument or on voice unless you record it and listen back and you can, can kind of compare it to what you know pros do. And then you, you realize that, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was and my voice isn't quite as strong as I hoped and I'm kind of pitchy. Um, you know, when you're walking, watching American Idol or The Voice or something and they're kind of pitchy, like, oh, they had like a, a quarter note off on that one note. And, uh, you know, and you're kind of judging them for that. But then if you record yourself, you're like, you know, half a note off of, of you know, half a step off of, uh, you know, three or four notes and you don't even realize it. So it's definitely easier to judge other people than yourself. Yeah. And here we are, like in the age of where everybody is live streaming their services now because of COVID. <laughs> and it makes me wonder how many people listening right now, like, won't go back and even listen to the recordings from the live stream because they hate the way that they sound. It is like, uh, especially when you're looking to a live stream, it, the sound isn't as good as it would be like in a church auditorium because you got the acoustics, you got some stuff covering it up. But then when it comes online, you're listening to these little rinky dink speakers. It's like, that sounds way worse than I thought it would. <laughs> I thought it did. So, yeah. But it's a good exercise to listen to yourself, um, even on that. Cause then if you can kind of listen to the lowest common denominator, if you sound good there, you sound good pretty much everywhere. So. Yeah. So there's a bonus tip for you. Quit hiding from those recordings, mm -hmm. face the recordings and get better. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. So let's talk about the challenges of being a new worship leader, because let's be honest, when you're a newbie, it's kind of overwhelming. So what do you remember most about being a new worship leader? I think uh, those who start, especially when they're younger, I know there's a lot of, you know, 25, 35 year olds who are starting to lead worship, and it might be a little bit different for you. But for those of us that started when we were 15, 16, you know, in the high school time, you know, you're, you're self-conscious about how you chew gum, right? Like, you're like, um, you're concerned about everything that you do because you think everything, everybody's got you under a microscope. Really, nobody really notices you're there, but you feel like everything you're, you're under a microscope in front of everybody. So if you're self-conscious about how you walk in the room as a 15 year old, imagine like getting up in front of everybody and being the center of attention and doing something very difficult, like playing an instrument and singing at the same time and trying to lead people in worship. So that's incredibly, uh, it's a, very hard uh, multitask to pull off, even in your own room, let alone in front of a bunch of people. So I think the biggest um, thing I remember is just being self-conscious, like, what are people thinking? Like, how am I sounding out there? Am I just totally a terrible musician? Are people making fun of me, like after service and all that? And probably none of that happens, but that's how you feel when you're up there. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I remember the most about kind of being a new worship leader. So if you are a new wor worship leader, no matter what your age, you're going to go through that. So just know that that is a totally normal part of the process. Yep. Totally normal. And I like the faster you can move past that, like the better off your life is going to be. Cause I remember like in your twenties and your teens, you're self-conscious about everything. And here I am, I'm 32 now and I'm also a dad of four kids and being a dad kind of like grows you up and all kinds of stuff. And like I'm probably self-conscious about a few things now, but it's not very many things. And it's just such a better life just to, just to live without that always in the back of your mind. Like, what do people think about me? Like I'm to a point where it's like, it really doesn't matter. Like as long as I'm doing what God called me to do, then, then I'm being obedient. And that's what matters. Yeah. And I think there's uh there's no shortcut to that either. So um, one thing that I would say is just that repetition will, 
will um, take care of a lot of that stuff because once you're super confident in your skills and what God's called you to do, like you're saying, um, you're not going to be a self-conscious. You're going to be like, well, somebody doesn't like it. You know, number one, uh, I'm doing the best I can what God God's called me to do. Number two, they're not up here, so they really can't cast judgment. Let's see them get up here and, and try it, and then they can say that I'm doing a bad job. But I mean, that's a little bit more negative. But in the back of your mind, you're like, well, at least you know I'm doing what God's calling me to do, and so that's all I can do. Um, but yeah, just repetition, getting up there, leading worship a hundred times. Is, there's really no substitute for it. You know, some people pray, God, you know help me not to be nervous. And uh, where's a Bible verse that I can read or where's a 12 step program that I can go through to not be self-conscious anymore. And there, there's nothing like that. All that you can do is just get up there and just hammer away at that self-consciousness time after time. And after you do it a hundred times, you, um, you, you know, step down from that fight or flight response that like kind of primal, like I got to get out of here type of feeling. And it just becomes normal to you, but there's no shortcut to that except just, just raw repetition. Good stuff, man. Although I'm sure they were looking for a shortcut. I wish there was. Because <laughs> I don't know how many times when I was a kid, I was like, God, if you could just make me not nervous for this, make me not nervous. It never worked. Like I was still nervous when I got up there until I had done it a hundred times. And I was like, okay, well, God answered the prayer, but it was like a hundred times later. It wasn't that night, you know? So um, he's going to answer the prayer guys. Don't worry, but it's going to be a long process, but that's, just how God has set things up. You know, if he, um, you know, just you, you have small beginnings, right? You don't, you shouldn't knock small beginnings. You shouldn't be like, I'm not good enough yet. So I should quit. No, you should keep going because you're going to get better. Um, so there's just a lot of uh, a lessons to be learned, no matter where, what you're doing, whether it's worship leading or something else. Preaching is the same way, I'm sure. Although I've never done it, but you know, once you do that hundred hundredth sermon, you're going to be, way better than you were when you started. So just keep at it. Yeah. So I think if you want a scripture that goes along with this, one that came to mind was like the whole fan into flames, your, your gift, your calling that's on your life, like dig into it is basically what that means. And, um, and practice it and get good at it because God gives you like, it starts off, you know, he gives you a gift, but you got to develop that gift. So Mm -hmm. dig in. Yeah. All right, man. What are the most common mistakes that you see new worship leaders make? Uh, You know, repeating what we were just talking about, just like uh, lack of the right preparation. Um, Mm. You know, a lot of people just expect to get up there and nail the song the first time, but you got to really put that time in at home. Um, And, you know, wait a minute, you got to practice at home. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. You can't just like get up there and practice during the rehearsal. You know, we've, we made a, a point at my church to, call the pre-service run through the rehearsal, not the practice, because you're not practicing your instrument at that point. You're, you're rehearsing what the service is going to be like. You have to actually practice what you're going to be doing at home. So set up a little thing at home that's kind of mimics what you're going to be doing at church. Um, in fact, go into your church or wherever you're going to be leading worship or playing your instrument and try to do it in that space because that helps too. But um, it's just basically like going through that uh, motion a hundred times on your own be- before you get up in front of anybody. So that when you do get up there, you're not thinking about that. It's kind of automatic and you can focus on leading worship and playing with other people and, you know, creating a, a worshipful flow. So yeah, lack of preparation. Um, 
another mistake. I don't know if this is a mistake or not, but just like having a false vis- vision of what it is to be a worship leader is a big thing. So um, I think a lot of people think that 99% of what I do is going to be getting up there and uh, on stage and performing and, and singing and playing and all that stuff. It's actually about five to 10% of what you do as a worship leader. And a lot of new worship leaders don't realize that yet, but um, you know, Kate, I'm sure that you uh, have, you know, um, this 90% of stuff that you do uh, behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, you know, you're picking songs, you're, you're practicing, like we said, you're setting up tech stuff, you're programming a laptop and and it's all, in service of that uh, final product, but it's, it's kind of unseen. Um, and so like, I think a lot of people think that I'm just going to get up there and like, uh, you know, be this uh, big, big star and and do the stuff. And it's like, actually it's, it's mostly just like tilling the soil, you know? And then once you till the soil for nine months, then it's harvest time and you can actually get up there and, uh, reap what you've sowed. But if you haven't planted anything and you try to get up there, you're, you're going to get up there and you're not really going to be uh, very effective in worship leading. So I would just say, yeah, it's just like, you know, nose to the grindstone. Most of the time as a worship leader, you're going to get paid nothing for a ton of work. And uh, eventually, you know, something might happen like a full-time gig or a part-time uh, job as a worship leader. But, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes for years before anyone ever notices that you're doing anything. So uh, just like keep that in mind. Um, kind of reminds me of a, a, a situation I had with a young musician. He was about 15. And um, so funny story, like going back to the um, uh, just uh, ha- having somebody that wants to kind of be the star. He had like these visions of like being kind of a, a star musically and stuff. And um and to my surprise, like he was a, he was a prodigy, man. Like he uh, got up one, uh, one like Wednesday night during youth group. And I was like, Hey, do you think you could um, try playing the drums during rehearsal? He's like, sure. So we played through the set. He played the drums. I mean, not perfectly, but enough. Like he had never played drums before. He sat down and played all the songs and en- good enough to make it happen. Right. So I was like, okay, this is a prodigy I'm dealing with here. This is amazing. This is like the thing you dream about as a worship leader, like some some kid that just like comes in off the street and like can just nail these instruments first time without practice. So, um, but, and I asked him like, hey, how did you learn to play the drums? He's like, oh, well, I've played the video game rock band before. So that's how I know. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like that doesn't, that doesn't help, does it? I think he was just really good. So anyways, he had like a lot of uh, visions of doing it, but he had no work ethic at all. So he didn't, do that 90%. He didn't practice at home. He never showed up for rehearsals. He didn't show up for the Wednesday night youth groups, nothing like that. So I couldn't use him. Like I was just like, I would love to use him. Um, but he just never shows up for anything. Right. So he just didn't understand that 90% of the, the work of being involved in a worship team, um, or leading worship for that matter. is just like nose to the grindstone type of stuff. So it, it was sad because, you know, he could have been maybe the greatest musician I've ever worked with and potentially the greatest musician in my city or state. I mean, that's how good he was naturally. He just had, had no, uh, no concept of putting in the work. So kind of sad, but that's, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, so yeah, just, you know, learning that leading worship is that, um, uh, a lot of background work that nobody ever sees.
You know, the sad thing about that story that you told is like often that person that has all that talent will intimidate the person that will put in the hard work. And so it kind of demotivates that person. So I, I bet there's somebody listening like to this podcast right now. That's that, that is that person. Like you look out and you see a bunch of people that are more talented than you are, but you are willing to put in the hard work. And let me just like give you an encouragement. Like you're the one that's going to make it to the finish line because just like anything in life, you have to put in the work to get to the destination. If you're a farmer, you have to plant the, you have to till the ground, plant the seeds, wait, water them, do all that stuff before you even get to eat anything from what you planted. It works like that with everything. Yeah, exactly. And it's perfectly aligns with the story that actually happened in that youth group is that we had one kid that wasn't talented very much at all. Like he had really not very much musical talent. Um, but we used him because he was there. And so he's the one who ended up learning drums. And, you know, for the first six months, he would have the snare in the wrong spot. You know, he, <laughs> he would ha have it and it would throw everybody off. But he was consistently practicing at home and showing up to rehearsals. So he's the one who actually ended up uh, playing drums for youth group and then eventually adult church because he just showed up. Um, and even though the the result wouldn't have been as good as a super talented guy, you know, this is a guy that was um, put in the work. So he's the one we used. Yeah, and I recently did a message at our church about the parable of the talents. And if you study that out, like you'll come to the conclusion that God expects us to multiply. Like he gives us all gifts. And some people get like a greater caliber of gift or more gifts than another person. But when you get, you know, to heaven, he's not going to be like, do you have as much as this other person? No, he's going to ask you, did you multiply what I gave you? And, and that's the only thing that's going to matter. So if you're looking at yourself and you're like, my gift is a lot smaller than this other person's, well, stop comparing yourself, first of all, because comparison is a trap. And just say, this is what God gave me and I'm going to multiply it and I'm going to make the best of it. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to get out there and, and preach, but it's on my no, heart. No, it's great. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it, it, you have a certain amount of talents, uh, what God's given you. Uh, and, you know, there's some people that have, you know, medium talents, but they end up doing just like these amazing things because they're just putting in the work like 24 hours a day, just grinding away at their, their skill that they want to improve on. And there's some people that are super talented that just flame out and they do they don't do anything with it, which is, you know, really sad, but you know, just have to decide which one you're going to be. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, when you're a new worship leader, there's all kinds of things that you got to learn. You know, you got sound and, and, uh, bringing the team together and just like everything. So if somebody's like brand new and they're just like, man, I don't even know where to get started. Like, what do you think is the most important thing for a new worship leader to learn first? Yeah. I mean, beyond the obvious, like learning your instrument really well and learning some theory and like, how do you, how do you do certain chords and certain positions and different things like that, whether that's guitar or piano um, or keys, I should say, since not many people play the actual piano like I did when I was a kid. Um, but uh, learning your instruments, learning, you know, getting the training and stuff like that. But I think one of the biggest things that is a shocker for most uh, new worship leaders who play in a live setting is that they really don't know how to play with other people and stay on the beat. So um, what do I mean by that? So when you're playing a song, when you're listening to a song on the radio um, or let's see, since there's no CDs anymore, how do I do this? But when there was CDs back in the day, um, you listen to a CD and it would skip and it would, it would get off beat and then it would start and you're like, Oh wait, I can't, I have to stop singing. And then, join back with the CD um, or maybe, okay. In, in today's language, your internet goes out while you're listening to Spotify and it cuts out for a second and then it restarts and you're like, Oh wait, I got to stop 
So there's this beat that's like every song you hear on the radio is, is done to a metronome, right? They they say 100 BPM and they stick to that the entire song. There's some probably some exceptions out there. I've actually recorded a song where I sped up on purpose throughout the song. So there's probably some stuff out there like that. Um, but most of the songs are going to be at 100 BPM or whatever BPM all the way through. And if you get off that um, it, 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 for any amount of time, you're going to like wh- whoever's singing along is going to have to stop singing. It's going to disrupt the flow of worship. So I would say at home, um, play to the play to the recording. If it's in a different key, there are some uh, software out there to change the key into the key that you're playing so that you can play along on your instrument. Um, uh, get a little metronome app on your iPhone, something like that, and just play a song all the way through and try not to stop, right? So even if you mess up, you have to keep going and keep playing and and maybe skip a chord and go jump to the next chord. Don't feel like it's written in stone that you have to play every chord there. If you miss one because you weren't fast enough to get there, just skip it and go to the next because it's more important for you to stay on the beat and keep that song flowing um, all the way through than to, oh, I got to go back and miss that chord. Because if you stop singing and then everybody else has to stop singing and it disrupts the flow of worship. So um, that's part of it. another part of it is like just being able to play with other musicians. Cause if you're sitting there playing at home, we've talked a lot about practicing home, which is great, but you also have to learn how to, how to play with other people. So if um, you know, somebody, if you're playing behind a worship leader or something and he throws an audible, like, Oh, let's go back to the chorus instead of the verse here. Um, you have to be able to adjust what you're doing and not be so attached to the music. Um, so that's another thing is just like staying on the beat, making sure you're singing all the way through without stopping and, and making compromises in your music and what you're playing to make sure that you're going all the way through the song. Um, I, I would say the other thing is w- w- what we touched on also is, but it's just like, um, it's more of an attitude thing is just be available. Like I'm not the most talented singer, songwriter, uh, guitarist, keyboardist, anything like that out there. I'm, I'm pretty medium as far as all that stuff goes. The difference is that I showed up, you know, like 99% of this stuff is just showing up. Like I was saying with the example of the drummer before, um, you just show up and, you know, if your pastor asks you to go lead worship for five-year-olds in your church, you're like, sure, I'll go do that. That's an opportunity. And then, you know, people notice that stuff when you are willing to do um, more, you know, what the world sees as like less priority stuff, you know, um, you go do that. God actually sees it as a high priority, but maybe as the world, you, you don't think it's very important to go lead worship for five-year-olds. But if you do that, everybody notices pretty soon you'll be doing youth group. You'll be doing adult church. You'll, you'll form a band and go to other countries. Like, um, I've done everything from playing youth groups, camps, homeless shelters. I've even played in a public school in Australia. And it's just because I showed up and one thing led to another and, and it, uh, turned into bigger stuff. So um, I would say just be available. Uh, don't think anything is beneath you. Just show up. And, um, you know, that's probably the most valuable thing you're going to learn uh, as a worship leader. Uh, and along with that, like the more opportunities you get, you, it forces you to get better because if you're going to be playing at a, at a higher uh, level venue, you're going to have to get better and, and rise to that task. Whereas if you never play with that, you don't have a great excuse to just really buckle down and, and put in that work. So, um, uh, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, precept upon precept, glory upon glory. And it, that's what it's talking about. You know, just, um, you're just adding to your skills and, and what you can do, uh, in your life.
Yeah, man, those are good tips. Good stuff. So back to the how a new worship leader, like they face a lot of overwhelm. And I think that overwhelm can be debilitating and kind of, you know, make you get stuck. So what's a good way to overcome that overwhelm? Well, a lot of people don't have a opportunity to do this, but playing with an experienced band helps a lot. If you're a new worship leader, let's say you're like um, a singer um, or you play an instrument and you sing, it, it does help to have like a really good backup. Like I've played in bands where they're like basically semi pro um, to, to professional level. And it's crazy how easy it is to sound really good um, when those guys hear backup. So uh, on the, on the other hand though, I've been, you know, as a really experienced worship leader, I've had a band that's just not good. They, they're, they're beginning. They um, they're either beginning or they don't know how to play the style that I want to play. And it's just, it's a train wreck, even though, I myself as a worship leader am pretty experienced. So I would say as a new worship leader, it's very hard for you to get up with an inexperienced band behind you and, uh, and not be overwhelmed because you're going to feel like there's going to something be going wrong every five seconds. And there probably will be with everybody that's super new. Sometimes that's unavoidable. And, you know, if you're just, you just formed a band in your youth group and there's like, literally you guys started playing five minutes ago. Um, you just might not have that, but if you do have the opportunity for some kind of mentorship in your, your church, um, say, Hey, can I go lead, lead one song with you guys? Or can I rehearse with you guys and just lead one song? Even if it's not in front of people, um, that's a good way to improve your skills as a worship leader, but not have to worry about all like some of the other details that goes, uh, behind it. So. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. And something I honestly have never thought of, but thinking back, like that would have been really nice to, even just rehearse with somebody who's more experienced than me. The mentorship is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'd like to add to like to cut in the overwhelm is to take things a week at a time. Cause sometimes you go and like learn from the bigger churches, the bigger worship teams, and they're planning like three months in advance, like all this stuff. And you're like, Oh, well that must be what I need to do. But I would kind of say, no, uh, just start off taking it a week at a time. Like that's how I always did it. I was always thinking about the Sunday that's coming up and not any further ahead than that. And that was just to cut my own overwhelm. And uh, also like when you're learning new things, like learn one thing at a time, like just kind of write yourself out a list. It's like, I'm just going to improve this one thing at a time. I'm kind of like a one week at a time and a one thing at a time kind of person. Cause it usually works well. Sometimes you need to plan further in advance than that. But most of the time, I think the one week at a time strategy works well. I think that's really good. Cause you can get really overwhelmed looking at, these high profile churches or, or worship teams or worship leaders, like how are they, you know, how is Lincoln Brewster soloing, you know, a million notes a second and singing at the same time? Like I, I need to learn. No, you don't need to learn to do that. Play it in a chord first. And then, you know, maybe someday you'll get there, but you know, um, start with the, the basics. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just, it, it's really easy to get overwhelmed that way, but you know, taking it one step at a time, like you said, is, is key. So I want to just throw kind of a bonus question in here. Like maybe we have a seasoned worship leader that's listening right now. And they're like, oh, this is great stuff. I can relate to it. But I want to give them something tangible to kind of like take away from this podcast. So let's talk about like when you're bringing a new worship leader onto your team. Like what's the best way that we can train them and help them to win in their position? Well, um, 
one thing that we did was uh, auditions because you want to make sure they kind of have the basic skills. Um, and if they don't, then, you know, there, you have to back up a step. It's like, okay, well, we maybe we don't want to have you um, fully like lead in front of people yet, but maybe we can do a rehearsal with you. So you kind of have to gauge where they are first. So that's probably the first thing I would say is just to kind of like um, get a gut check of, of where they are musically and, and skill wise. And also spiritually, you know, try to try to dig into that. You know, where are they? What's their motivations? Why do they want to start leading worship? Is it truly just, hey, I just want to be up in front of people? Or is it like, I have this calling? You know, if it's, I have this calling, who are you to stand in the way? Like, you need to get up, them up there. Um, that's the story of, of one uh, young lady. She was probably like 30 when she started, but she's like, I just felt God called me to start leading worship which is pretty unusual at the age of 30. Like usually it's like much earlier than that, but I was like, Hey, who am I to, to stand in the way? So um, I'll kind of describe the process that we took her through. If that situation happens, it doesn't have to be an older worship leader. It could be any age. Um, Cause I've, we've done this with like 14 year olds too. So um, what we do is do like a co-leading situation where we'll have like a, maybe a four or five song set. We'll bring them up and we'll say, um, and, and we'll give like one to two songs. Usually maybe it's like one song during the Sunday service to start. And so like the main worship leader, will do a couple songs, get everybody kind of warmed up. And then it'll be like kind of this softball where you just throw them, throw the new worship leader, a, a really easy softball for them to like knock out of the park. Right. And so everybody's warmed up, everybody's worshiping. And then we transition to a new song. It's not the main worship leader singing that one, but it's the, the brand new 14 year old or 30 year old worship leader who's never like sung in front of like, who, who's never maybe like done this before in front of people. And it was the first time. And, uh, and then they, you know, lead worship, obviously you've rehearsed uh, before that point. So we know the structure of the song and we, there's no like surprises, you know, they're not going to be like um, doing this 10 minute rendition of some crazy song going all, all over the place. We just keep it really simple for that first time. So once they do that song, then the other worship leader takes over and does the rest of the service. So it's very, um, very low key for that new worship leader. They're not feeling like they have to carry the entire service because that is very difficult to get up there and welcome people and, you know, do the transitions and stuff. So we're taking care of all that. All they have to do is sing this one to two songs. Um, so we've found that that works pretty well to incorporate a new uh, worship leader. Um, obviously they have to have the skill level to even go that far. Um, but if you can, um, you know, figure out that they do have that skill level, then you can bring them up and just do that co-leading situation. And eventually, you know, they're doing like maybe two songs or three songs during that service. And eventually they're doing an entire service on their own, maybe with the main worship leader as an instrumentalist, just in case something happens, they can kind of like keep things going. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like baby steps into that uh, worship leading role. I think it's a mistake just to, unless they're super experienced and already, and they just come to your church all ready to go, um, to to throw them up there and just say, "Okay, hey, lead a whole Sunday." That's really scary stuff. Um, so that co leading um, uh, idea has worked pretty well for us. Good stuff. I like that baby steps, kind of like the one thing at a time. Yep. Yep. Keep it easy. Well, man, Tim, this has been so good. Thanks so much for taking your time to be with us here on the podcast. What's the best way for people to stay connected with you? 
Well, check out worshipdeeper.com. Um, check out the, you know, how does Bible, the Bible define worship? Um, we'll throw a link. I think, Kate, you're going to throw a link in the uh, show notes and all that. So you'll, that'll be there. Another thing that I'd like, like to share is just the uh, a book. I spent quite a lot of time last year writing a book called Learn to Lead Worship in 14 Days. So this is, this is a fast track to leading worship. Um, and it, I, don't, I don't know if everybody's going to be able to do it in 14 days, but it's basically breaking up, starting to lead worship into 14 steps, all the way from never having played an instrument before to leading your first worship time, which is a huge amount of learning, um, which could take longer than that, but it's basically a, a kind of a 14-step program to get to that point. Um, so I kind of break it down. And usually I sell the book for 10 bucks, but anybody that emails me and says, hey, I heard you on Cade's podcast. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just email it to them for free. It's just a PDF. And then I'll include some other resources. Like, a, I think I have like a um, relative chord chart and some, some different other stuff in there too, that might be handy as far as like theory and just learning the basics of music and different things like that. So I think there's like four PDFs that I'll just email. So just like email me, Tim at worshipdeeper.com and I'll send that to you free. That's awesome, man. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. And you, you also have a podcast. I know that you haven't put out new episodes much this year because, you know, COVID kind of slowed all of us down, but you got some great content on there. So tell them about that too. Yeah, it's called the Worship Leader 101 podcast. And so uh, my first maybe 30 episodes or so are just like, how do I get started leading worship? It's, it's designed around, uh, you know, helping new worship leaders get started. And so it's really basic stuff. I know a lot of podcasts uh, can get pretty technical, like how do you set up lighting at your church or like how do I play with uh, multi-tracks and stuff like that. And you're, maybe you're not at that level, um, but this is just like really basic um, building blocks of how to get started leading worship. Um, and then like in the later episodes, I start interviewing, um, you know, worship influencers and people who have uh, had a lot of time under their belt as a, as a worship leader. And so there's stuff to learn there too, but yeah, check out those first 30 or so episodes. If you're just starting out, um, you know, they're on there. You can just download them and, and binge listen to them if you're really curious about how to get getting started uh, leading worship. So it's a great resource. Awesome. Well, don't miss this opportunity to connect with Tim, get his book, go listen to his podcast, go to worshipdeeper.com, check out everything that he has there. And as always, thanks for being with us. We need your help to get this podcast out to everybody who needs it. So please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're using. And don't forget to subscribe so we can let you know when the next episode comes out. So go implement what you learned in this podcast and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.